The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Rise Radio with counselor and prevention expert Randy Havison. Recovery in various forms is something that many of us face every day. Most of us need some sort of intervention to start the process of rebuilding and reconnecting our lives. This program serves to empower you to find new ways of solving old problems. Now, here is your host, Randy Havison. Good morning and welcome to Rise Radio. I am your host, Randy Havison, and I am so excited for this show today. Uh, I, I can't even begin to tell you. Our, our guest today, Mike, has been a friend of mine for a very long time, and he's doing amazing work, and I can't wait to for you to meet him and, and to be able to hear what he has to say and, and uh, find out more about how to make a difference and make an impact in your community and, and for those in your life. Uh, again, as always, I want to do a shout-out to all of our listeners from around the world. Um, we have a large continue from the UK, and, and thank you for tuning in and listening to our show and my hope is that you can take some of the things that we're talking about here and I'd love to see new movements take out take over uh, out at the UK area um, we're down in Australia now we're in Asia South America I, I we're on five continents people are listening to rise radio so thank you for tuning in and as always if you have any questions comments for our guests for me uh, our website is riseradioshow.com and you can write to me at randy at riseradioshow.com or fill out our form there if you have a comment or question for any of our guests past or present and I'm happy to read those on the air the following week and and find out from our guests if you want any additional information from them. So let's get right to it. And I want to introduce you to Mike. Um, again, he's been a friend of mine for a long time and, and I can't wait for, for him to share his story and, and what he's doing. So here's his introduction. Uh, Mike Domish is known for the impact his programs, trainings, and publications have made across the world for parents, teenagers, families, educational institutions, the U.S. military, and the media. You may have seen him as the featured expert on Dateline NBC's My Kid Would Never Do That, which I saw, and you did a great job, by the way. Today, Mike is one of the leading experts for transforming our sexual culture to one being built on consent and respect, discussing sexual decision-making, asking first, healthy relationships, bystander intervention, and supporting survivors of sexual assault. As the brother of a rape survivor, Mike's mission is personal. His ability to share powerful emotional moments, both serious and hilariously funny, while giving readers and audiences realistic how-to skills to implement in their lives in, is what separates Mike's message from other experts and authors. Mike is an author with a unique combination of provocateur and advocate who captivates readers throughout his book. And I am so excited to have you here, Mike. Um, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me on, Randy. As you said, we've been friends for a long, long time. It's an absolute <laughs> honor. 
uh, to be on with you. Yeah, how long does it go back? How long? It was, it's been like I think it goes back years to now? 2002. Wow, 14 years. Amazing. Wow. And it's been so great to follow your career and watch what's been happening. But, you know, let's start out by uh, talking a little bit about how you got into this. And I remember I was so affected by the first time I heard you present and telling your story. So why don't you give our listeners uh, an idea of why it is that you're doing this? I remember that. That was the youth conference for the NSA convention in the summer of 2002 uh, when we were sharing and you were in the room. Uh, And uh, what happened for me was I was a college student uh, who did not think about these issues. Uh, not at the time, nobody talked about them. You know, you didn't hear about it in, in 1988 to 89. You weren't hearing about mm-hmm. sexual assault or rape on college campuses. You just didn't think about it, and it was never discussed until I received a phone call. And the phone call was my mom calling me to inform me that my sister Sherry had been raped. I couldn't mm-hmm. believe what I was hearing. I was filled with rage. I was mm-hmm. angry. I was confused. And I didn't know what to do or how to react or what to say. And what would happen over the next several months is my sister's courage and strength, Sherry, would inspire me. And I would end up hearing a speaker on the topic that made me realize, wait, I can use my voice. I can do something about this. I just don't have to be filled mm-hmm. with anger and this, this confusion and this helplessness. I can do something. And so I went to that speaker and said, I want to speak out. And that's where it all began. I started speaking mm-hmm. in my local uh, high school and then middle schools and my, the university I was going to. I was a college student at the time, so I started speaking in classrooms, and then it just grew and grew and grew from there. Wow. That's that's great. And, you know, it, it's funny. I'm sure you look back on those days and how you would frame your message, and I'm sure it's very different today uh, and a lot more oh, powerful. Tre- but- tremendously different. Yeah, at that time, I was an angry brother speaking out. And what I would learn mm-hmm. over time is that anger doesn't actually engage people. Uh, it'll, yeah. it'll activate people. It'll get people to pay attention, but it doesn't engage them on a personal level typically. They don't want to engage with that anger. They want to more mm-hmm. watch it. Uh, it can be entertaining or cathartic, but not necessarily going to be life transformational for the individual watching. And we realized, you know yeah. what does that? If we can get people to think and have fun, then they apply it to themselves. Like you get somebody laughing, right. their barriers come down. So if we can laugh at the stupidity of the things that we've been taught, we might be open to learning new ways of doing things. And that's where the program really took a transformational pivot. Mm, yeah. And, and also, you know, another thing that I talk about a lot, you know, that anger is important as a starting point, but you have to get beneath that to the hurt and the sadness and the confusion. And, and when you can start dealing with those, then people can start to relate to you. Absolutely. That's correct. You got, otherwise, you're using uh, your stage or your writing or whatever medium you're using as your therapist, which is not healthy for everybody else. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so then a transformation started to take place, and you were speaking on your campus and in different places, but then how did it turn into, you know, start to morph into what you're doing now? Yeah, what I was doing at that time, I was speaking mainly with people my age, and I had, I had one major disadvantage. I was 22, and I looked 15, and <laughs> I wish I could tell you that I was exaggerating, but literally, I looked that young to people, and yeah. so people would go, no one's going to listen to you. You look too young. So what would happen mm-hmm. is where I would get in, we'd get very good feedback, like, this was great. We want more of this, but we couldn't get in anywhere. 
because they just mm. like we're not this young kid in to talk about this issue that we're not talking about. And that was the other yep. problem. Society wasn't talking about it. So the mm-hmm. conversation was a little bit ahead of its time. So then what happened was I did it very I did it full time through college and then stepped out of it because I just couldn't survive doing that. And in two thousand two I had talked to some people at the National Speaker Association. They said, come to our national convention. Uh, you know, you should really be doing this. And I went to that convention, and that's where Patty uh, was with you. Uh, the two yeah. of you were running the youth conference. And she took a risk and said, Mike, I'd like you to speak. And at that time, that conference had never had an issue like that. It was considered very edgy. And that's where you and Patty were running the event and pulled me aside and said, hey, why aren't you doing this all over the country? This is really needed. And in two weeks later, I sold the business I was running at the time. Uh, literally walked away with almost no cash, just sold it to get out of it without debt and had no events on my calendar. But it was like, this is what I always wanted to be. This is what I always wanted to do and dove in 100%. And a year later, we were doing 30 to 50 events a year. And now we do 90 to 110 cities days a year of speaking on this topic wow. around the world. That's amazing. And, and I, I see that, you know, you've really gotten into speaking to the military, too, which I just love that you're doing that. And, uh, you know, I want to spend some time later in the show. You know, we, we, I want to get back to the evolution of where this has gone. But, you know, I want to talk about the military and how you got into that, too. But, okay, so now here you are. You, you sold your business, and now you're doing this full-time. What was the reaction of your parents and Michelle and, and your wife and all that? What, was, what did they say? And so I think you mean Sherry when you said Michelle. I think you meant my sister oh. Sherry. Is that, is that what you meant? Yeah. Okay, so that makes yes, sense. Sorry. That's okay. That's right. I just want to clarify. Uh, so, well, Karen, when Karen, my wife, met me, we were in college, and I was doing this work. So she she was always on board with this mission and what we were doing. Nice. So when I wanted to make this shift, while it was scary, she believed in it. And that makes a world of difference to have mm-hmm. your life partner behind you 100%, and she was. Um, you know, other people, some other people were like, what are you doing uh, and many people would say, hey, speaking on the, that issue is not something that you're going to be able to pay your bills with. You know, do that as a hobby and and keep the DJ business. It's, go, it's going so well. And I just said, I know my mind. If I dive 100% into something, I'm 100% into it. If I'm trying to do yep. two things at once, it's not going to be successful. It's going to be a distraction. And so I knew what worked for me. And for me, desperation was great motivation. I know for some people, that's not the answer. For me, mm-hmm. it was. Because yeah. the desperation got worse as the months went on because we had nothing to go off of. Uh, it was mm-hmm. tougher times. It only got worse and worse in that first year. And it took a lot of patience and belief for Karen, too, that this was going to work out. Because, you yeah. know, you have creditors calling you. You're, um, you're, you're extending every line of credit imaginable just to survive and do this because you so believe in it. And mm-hmm. I, we were out there doing everything we could to get the word out, and it, it gained momentum, and that was the difference. We just suddenly picked up momentum and took off. That's great. And, you know, one of the things that I think really helped it, too, is that, you know, it wasn't let's talk about sexual assault, and it was this heavy topic. You came up with the title of your program, which is? Can I Kiss You? Can I Kiss You? And and I think that totally disarms people, and and they're coming in and like, wow, this is interesting. What's this about? So how did you come up with that? Well, what happened was, I, when I was in college, it had an awful name. When I was in college, it was called, say, <laughs> Sexual Assault and You, which is just awful. 
But <laughs> no, nobody ever even looked at the acronym. They just saw SAY, and it was the idea of talk about it, right? Let's talk, let's ask, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I recognized, yeah, that's not going to work. So when I came back to it, it was, all right, well, what's the part of this we're doing that, that surprises people, that really creates the conversation? It's the asking for a kiss. Can I kiss you? It's that moment in the show when we role play mm-hmm. that. And that, that's how the title came about. I think at the time I bounced it around with a bunch of people, um, and, and everybody agreed that was the route to go. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And, and I like also that the underlying message is that let's create a culture of respect yeah, rather than just that's assumptions. And, yeah. At that time and still today, way too many people are focused on what not to do. And from mm-hmm. the start, we have been focused on what to do. So one mm-hmm. thing we say is that we shift the paradigm from what not to to what to the right way. And so what that means is instead of telling people don't sexually assault, don't rape, what can you do? Okay, you can intervene mm-hmm. when you see somebody trying to set up a bad situation. You can personally ask your partner before you do something with them sexually and give them a choice. You can do that. That's something everybody can do is in a sexually intimate relationship. Uh, you can respect the answer. You can ask mm-hmm. them what they're comfortable with. These are all cans. You can go to your loved ones and let them know you're here for them. So we really focused on making it positive and what you can do that makes a tremendous difference and long-term will transform our culture. Yeah, and it goes way beyond you know, sexual activity. I mean, it's just a, a personal respect thing. Hey, is it okay if I borrow your jacket? Hey, is it okay? And, and to bring in that culture of respecting the other person enough to ask them before something takes place. And I love that how-to. You know, I do that with Party With a Plan. It's not don't drink and be careful. It's, hey, if you're going to drink, here's how to do it in a way that's going to keep you safe. And you're right. People respond so much differently to that. Absolutely. And it's interesting because now we are starting to get people going, hey, would you, would you go corporate? Because we're known for schools and universities and military and community organizations and parents, and we love working. And now people are going, well, you know, this message could, could really work in the corporate world because you're talking about a, a culture of consent and respect. Mm-hmm. And that's something that needs to be everywhere. And so it is, it is picking up, really picking up, especially that mission that we're based on of consent and respect. That's great. Yeah, because I could, you know, how many times do you hear about businesses dealing with sexual harassment issues? And if it was a culture of respect and, and asking, then you could reduce some of the issues that are happening in today's businesses and corporations. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, let's let's go back to the college campuses. Now you're doing Can I Kiss You? And, and the, how are the students responding to this? Well, that was one of the coolest parts, is that from early on, the response was so strong of students saying, this is unique. You know what? I really enjoyed this. Randy, you know from working on college campuses, students sometimes are mandated to go to these programs. And mm-hmm. one of the greatest compliments you can get is when a student comes up to you and goes, I did not want to be here. And this completely changed how I view things. I, I am going to yep. date differently. I'm going to be in my relationships differently. And we mm-hmm. were seeing that over and over again. Students coming up and saying, oh, my gosh, um, I did try asking, and it changed everything for me. And recently we got an actual post to our Facebook of, of an intervention story where somebody intervened at a party and stopped a rape two days after we left campus. Wow. You hear you hear those stories and that's what motivates you to just want to keep getting the message out there farther and farther. Oh, absolutely. You know, I know for me when I get those kind of comments from someone afterwards, that's almost better than the the check you get from the campus. I mean, to know that you're really impacting lives. 
that's there's, all there's that, nothing better it, than that's that. That's all that matters. That's right. I mean, it, that's, yeah. in the end, it's what difference is being made. And, and we have a high standard. I am not somebody that believes that if you go into a room of, of 100 people and if you impact one life, you've done your job. I think that's too low a standard. I think that mm. when you go into a room of people, it is your job to give a tool set, at least some tools that the far majority of the room are going to believe in and implement into their lives upon leaving the room. That's the mm-hmm. standard we should be setting, a standard of let's impact the whole, not just the few. Let's get to as many as possible. That's what we're going to need to transform culture. We're not going to get this one out of 100. That's not going to change our culture. We need 80 out of 100. We need 90 out of 100. You're absolutely right. And 90 out of 100 are going to get it. Those other 10 need to really open up and come out of their shell, too. But you're absolutely right. I mean, and and I want to talk more about this. We need to take our first break. But when we come back, I want to talk more about this and and really get into how you got into the military uh, and, and some of the current events that are happening out there. So after a short break, we're going to come back with Mike Domish and talk more about Can I Kiss You? We'll be right back. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Randy Havison is a highly sought-after speaker, trainer, consultant, and author. His down-to-earth approach and mix of humor and insightful information make him a very effective presenter. With topics such as alcohol education, raising self-esteem, leadership development, and defining value systems, Havison has proven to be a pioneer in his field. Randy is a welcome speaker on the international stage with a personality that exudes raw energy fueled with magnetic charisma and the relatability of a best friend. His book, Party with a Plan, The Guide to Low-Risk Drinking, was 15 years in the making. He has found a research-based formula that teaches people how to drink and lower their risk for problems. Party with a Plan goes beyond be responsible and drink moderately by offering specific guidelines for people who want to drink and avoid the common problems associated with drinking. Visit Randy's websites, risespeaker.com and partywithaplan.com for more information. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Rise Radio. To reach Randy Havison or his guest today, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Randy at riseradioshow.com. Now, back to Rise Radio. Welcome back to Rise Radio. I'm your host, Randy Havison, and I am so excited today to have Mike on our show. Mike Domish is a leading expert on the issue of consent in dating and sexual assault and sexual responsibility, and we're going to talk about a whole lot of things today. If you missed the first segment, go back and listen to it, because Mike just has an amazing story of how he got into this and where he's at, and I got to tell you, one of the things I love about Mike uh, of of the many things I love about Mike, one of them is when he puts his mind to doing something, he gets it done. And I love that. You know, I'll go to a conference and I'll hear 50 things that I want to do and, and I'll maybe do like one or two. Well, Mike does all 50 
it's amazing. I mean, your energy level and your focus and, and your tenacity is, you know, I, I just love the way that you do that. And it's a testament to, you know, when you why watch how your programs grow. I think that's a big part of it. I mean, you have a great message, but the way you work at this is is so admirable. I'm just a, I'm a huge fan of yours, Mike. You're just such a good guy. Well, I appreciate so. that, Randy. And I have to say, you know, one of the things I've learned over the years is to implement less of those things. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> one of those lessons that I've actually learned. You're right. I used to come back and just go nuts trying to do everything. And I did that for a long time because uh, I just wanted to have the biggest impact. I wanted to reach everywhere possible. But you can only be successful driving so many things at a time. You know, if you're, you mm-hmm. can only drive one vehicle at a time effectively and safely. And so one of the things I've had to learn is come back and do less. But do it all out, right? So when I do it, take that same energy, take that same all out, and put it all into one thing and see what that does mm. and see how far that can go and have such a much larger impact by making something a success uh, than having a lot of, you know, shoot, fire, hope, miss, shoot, fire, miss, shoot, fire, miss. But I'm doing it. I'm, doing it. I'm taking the shot I'm supposed to be taking uh, and taking less and really focusing. That's great. So, yeah, and when you were talking about getting into corporate, I'm like, when are you going to find time to do that? <laughs> so I, it, that's why you have a team, right? That's why you have a great yeah. set of people working around you who can make things happen. And that's what mm-hmm. I, am, I am absolutely grateful for. I have an incredible team surrounding me who does in, uh, unbelievable work in making things happen. Yeah, Rita's awesome. I just, every time I get to see her and give her a hug, I mean, she's just always a bundle of energy and she's amazing. Yeah, I mean, Rita. And now you have Lisa working with you. She's a fireball, too. Exactly. That's right. And so, and I have Steve, who uh, a consultant I work with, and many other team members at work virtually and in other aspects. But absolutely, Rita's been with me from the beginning. Without her, I certainly would not be where I am today. Lisa has come aboard and is really helping us go into new avenues and new route, new places, and and stretch that mission even farther to more people. And it's just been an awesome group to work with, an awesome team to work with. Yeah, and that really, really helps. I mean, doing this alone, you, you definitely can't go as far as if you're doing it with others. Yeah, and, so, and Karen, yeah. Karen, who does so much behind the scenes that a lot of people oh, don't know Karen, about, because yeah. she handles all the product distribution, all of our books, our shirts, our materials. Every event mm. we go to, there's boxes being shipped. She's handling all that, all the bookkeeping, and and also strategically, another person to bounce ideas off of. So, yeah, it's mm-hmm. that core group that can make a big, big difference. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and Karen's amazing too. And and to think that you guys have raised four boys doing this thing full time. I mean, and all of them are really good kids too. And you only have one left at home, right? Aren't three in college already? Yes, thank you for, for reminding me of how long I've been doing this. That's right. So, uh, yeah, that's right. We have three in college, one in high school, and as you know, children are are the greatest gift we can ever get. So, uh, mm-hmm. yes, they are wonderful young men. Uh, we're we're obviously very proud parents, uh, and Karen. So much of that goes to her because mm-hmm. when I'm on the road, she makes things run, and that makes a huge difference. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, you so blessed. So, okay, I want to get back to, so you're speaking on college campuses, and then all of a sudden, I mean, before I knew it, oh, you're in the military. Now, how did that come about? Because I know that they get a lot of attention for the sexual assault issues going on in the military. So how did you get into that arena? So what happened was in 2006, the military made a choice to be proactive, more proactive on this issue, and they wanted to reach out and make a difference. And the Air Force and some others came 
to the university world and said, hey, colleges, who are you using? What are you doing that's effective? And we were one of the programs that they were hearing about. And so they came to us and said, do you think yours could cross over? Do you think it would work at the military level? And I said, absolutely, because it's Mm -hmm. one, when I come, you're getting me. You're always getting me. So I can customize. It's not like you're getting somebody who's coming in doing a script. I don't follow a script. Therefore, I can write it, the material, and I can adjust on the fly in the room based on who's in the room and what's happening. And one of the things that really separated us with the U.S. military was that we were You could bring us in, and I could talk to the schools on the installation, middle schools and high schools. I could Mm -hmm. talk to all ranks, whether you were 17 years old or 65 years old. And and then I could also talk to dependents. They'd bring me in to talk to the parents uh, in the evening, the spouses. And so we were able to get to all audiences, and still to this day, we are doing that. And so we do, nowadays, we do programs that are not kind of kiss you. People knew us for creating the County Tissue Program, but now we're doing leadership programs for high-level military leadership and command. We're doing programs on transforming the culture. So it's a completely different discussion than we necessarily are having in the County Tissue Program. Wow, and that's great. And and you know what? You really do need to affect change at that level if we are going to see this issue get better over the years. I mean, those are the ones that really have to... Well, yeah, and what's really neat is, yeah, we have military leaders seeing this going... Oh my gosh! Why isn't this the why isn't this the norm for our training? What, what we're getting here right now? Why isn't this what we're always getting? This is the approach we need, and so mm-hmm. they see the value of it. They want that proactive how-to discussion. They want to have a discussion that digs deep into what's really going on to cause all this culturally, so they can really understand it and make a difference. Our, our military is full of people who care deeply about ending mm-hmm. sexual violence deeply, nice. and unfortunately, when what all we see is the negative. And we're not right. seeing all those that care and want to do it right. And when they get what they feel is a solution that can help them do what's right for themselves, their soldiers, their Marines, their sailors, their airmen, they want to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And, yeah, you know, we hear those sensationalized, those those. In, those isolated incidents that happen, and we think that that's the whole culture. But you know, I, one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on here to talk about this is because you are seeing firsthand how that culture is changing. And don't take these one or two or three incidences as being how it's really going on. So I'm sure you are seeing things get better behind the scenes when it comes to the military and how they deal with these issues. Well, here's the thing about military and universities. They do have a problem because our society has a problem. They only Mm. get what they get, right? You can only take from the current culture. You can't take out robots and program them. That's not how it works. These people come to you with mindsets, and they Mm -hmm. get those mindsets from within the culture. And therefore, the reason we have the problems we have on university campuses, the reason we have the problems we have on military installations is because our communities won't take on this issue. There's not Mm. enough willing to take it on. We have middle schools and high schools who will not discuss, openly discuss, skill sets for sexual intimacy and sexual decision-making, for what respect looks like in relationships. And then we're surprised that these 18-year-olds go off to the military and to universities and don't know how to treat each other in a respectful, healthy, mutually amazing, intimate life. They've never gotten Mm -hmm. any skill sets. They've only been told what not to do. So they're blind. They're blind at what to do. And we've got, if, until we transform that, we're going to continually be teaching at the military and university level because we're missing the boat at a younger age. Huh. 
So have you developed or do you talk to high school students at all or you can't get into the high schools with this? We absolutely talk to sixth grade and up. The, oh, good. Here's the challenge. The challenge is what you just brought up. We, the schools that are willing to say we care enough about our students to address this we're, mm-hmm. will work with us. What the problem yeah. is, the far majority of schools who are afraid of three out of 100 parents. See, they're afraid yeah. of those three parents who will make a big deal out of it. So the other 97 don't get to have great programming mm-hmm. for their children because they're too afraid of three parents. And that's what we You're see absolutely right. around the country. You even hear administrators say, I'd love to do this, but wait, you're letting three dictate what's happening to hundreds. It's completely unfair. And what's the travesty of it is we say it's an educational system that's failing to educate on some of the most important life skills you could ever have. How to treat mm-hmm. another human being with respect, how to treat yourself with respect. Something you're going to have to deal with every day of your life after school. Yeah. But, but again, you know, I think that message goes beyond just dating and sex also. I mean, yeah. it's a way to live. It's, it's developing a value system and, and character development with a culture of respect for other people. Right. And, and as you know, we had the new book come out, Can I Kiss You? And one of the reasons the book is a wonderful medium is that for all those parents who are saying, I'd love to bring this kind of programming to my school, and then they reach out, and some of the schools will let them and say, yeah, bring it in. But for those who can't get that, then now they mm-hmm. have an avenue. Now, now they have a book that they can dive into, and they can bring this into their home. So if they're in a community mm-hmm. that is saying, okay, our community is failing in this area, well, you know what? Uh, we, can, we don't have to fail in our home. We can do something mm-hmm. about this. And that's also why we created the DVD years ago we did for parents called Help My Teen Is Dating because we need to get this at the family level since schools are still too afraid to have what should be a common sense discussion. Absolutely. Now, tell me, what's this DVD? Tell me about the DVD. So we have a DVD called Help My Teen Is Dating, Real Solutions to Tough Conversations. And oh, what that is is nice. it's two hours of, of me talking to the parent. Here's how to have these conversations in a way that's less likely to have your kid rolling their eyes uh, and really yeah. engaging with you on a long-term basis. So in other words, not the talk, how to engage in a relationship with your child on these topics. That's going to wow. be the long-term solution. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you have the DVDs, but is there something where people could just go online and, and see the training on, online too? They can. So actually, if they're on our website and they're looking at the DVD, they can actually mm-hmm. click on the option to watch it instantly to get the on-demand version. Oh, nice. Oh, that's great. And, and which website is this? We're gonna, I want to mention this a few times to make sure we don't miss it, but where, what's Definitely. the website? So what they would do for that is they'd go to datesafeproject.org, datesafeproject.org. Mm-hmm. And when they're in there, they'd go to, we have a section called Parents. Okay. And in there, it'll say books and curriculum or books and resources inside the parent section. And mm-hmm. there you can actually, if you click on the DVD, learn more about the DVD, there you can click on it and download right from Vimeo or rent it for nice. 24 hours. Oh, that's great. As oh, long as they beautiful. go into the parent section, I'll give you a little secret. If they go into the shop, you can't, unfortunately, they, Vimeo doesn't let us connect to that. But if they go into the parent section and then click on books and videos, they'll find it there. Okay, 
Oh, great. Okay, good. And because, you know, I find most people aren't getting DVDs anymore. They want to see it online. So I'm really glad that they're able to do that. And this is something I, it should be required for every parent who has a kid who's going to date one day, whether, you know, no matter what kind of relationship it is, this is going to be really valuable information for them. That's exactly right. And that's for the parent going, well, my child's not there yet. Your child's around children talking. Mm-hmm. And if your child's in school, they are hearing conversations. And I mean first grade. They are hearing yeah. conversations in the playground, who likes who, who wants to kiss who. This is happening in first grades around the country, yeah. not in, of all socioeconomic levels. Somebody goes, not my school. You're kidding yourself. You, if you really believe that your children between TV, the Internet, and friends are not hearing things nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. But but again, you know, what I I want to get across too, it's not just about kissing and dating. It's for a first That's grader. Right. Oh, you know what? I I see that that pencil there and I need a pencil, but it's Jim's pencil. I need to go ask Jim first. Hey, is it a, can I borrow your pencil rather than just taking it and then later on, you know, Jim's like, "Where's my pencil?" So, That's right. I can this could be for any issue. It's that culture of respect of saying, hey, I'm not just going to take this. I'm going to ask you if it's okay if I use it. That's and I'm going to be okay correct. if you say no. Yeah, that's just right. if someone Honoring says no, it doesn't mean he doesn't right. like Honoring you. It just answer? means... Yeah, that is a huge piece of it. And that's one that people do not talk enough about is honoring someone's answer. Mm-hmm. Right. That it's okay if, if you say, no, no, don't use my pencil. I, I need to use it later on. Okay, well, let me know when I can. Okay. And, and I think that is the culture that goes later on. You know what? I don't want to kiss you right now, but that doesn't mean I'm never going to want to kiss you. This That's is right, right now I don't. Yes. So, you know, it, it's like there are three answers. Yes, no, and not yet. So at least <laughs> asking right. gives you an opportunity to, to have that conversation, which is so important. Yeah, and it's so, one that just isn't being had, unfortunately. Right, and that's why, you know, this is one of the reasons I wanted you here. I mean, I wish we had 5 million listeners and, and we could get the message out more, but, you know, hopefully over time we will. But this is such a core value that we need to be teaching people. Um, and again, if we had more a culture of respect, think about all the issues that would be lessened from sexual assault to alcohol abuse to violence. I mean, so many. <clears throat> That's right. If so, everybody was taking that that approach to almost every societal topic, we'd be in a different place. Exactly. So that's why I think what you're doing, it, it goes way beyond the, the sexual uh, assault issue into, I think it's everyday life that, that this goes to. And when you think about, you know, when we come back, we have to take a short break in a little bit. Um, but I think about, you know, the Brock Turner case and what's going on with that. And, and the thing that infuriates me more than anything else is the way the father was handling it. And it made sense how he could act that way when you listen to what his father's saying. So I think this is a societal issue and, and parents need to be more proactive. So when we come back, we're going to talk more about that. Uh, and, and I want to talk more about how you can get in touch with Mike's products and Mike and, and maybe bringing them to your campus or to your company or, or wherever it is that he can make a difference because he does make a difference. So we're going to take a short break and we will be right back with Mike Domish. It's 
Change your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Randy Havison is a highly sought-after speaker, trainer, consultant, and author. His down-to-earth approach and mix of humor and insightful information make him a very effective presenter. With topics such as alcohol education, raising self-esteem, leadership development, and defining value systems, Havison has proven to be a pioneer in his field. Randy is a welcome speaker on the international stage with a personality that exudes raw energy fueled with magnetic charisma and the relatability of a best friend. His book, Party with a Plan, The Guide to Low-Risk Drinking, was 15 years in the making. He has found a research-based formula that teaches people how to drink and lower their risk for problems. Party with a Plan goes beyond be responsible and drink moderately by offering specific guidelines for people who want to drink and avoid the common problems associated with drinking. Visit Randy's websites, risespeaker.com and partywithaplan.com for more information. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Rise Radio. To reach Randy Havison or his guest today, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Randy at riseradioshow.com. Now, back to Rise Radio. Welcome back to Rise Radio. This is your host, Randy Havison, and today we are talking to Mike Domish from uh, Can I Kiss You and the Date Safe Project, and we're talking about a lot of different issues. You know, I, my hope when we, I started this segment, when I thought about it, I, you know, I definitely want to put a spotlight on the sexual assault and, and dating violence issues that are going on, but I really think that at the systemic uh, part of this, we need to be talking about creating a culture of respect. You know, just like when I talk about alcohol and drug-related issues, you know, yes, we need to take care of that as an issue. But if we go underneath and help people learn more about self-esteem and, and treating themselves well and starting that young, then we're going to have less substance abuse later on. And I think it goes back to those core issues and dealing with those at a younger age so that as people grow up, they learn how to treat each other and treat themselves and, and to do it in a better way. So, you know, I, I love the conversation we've been having uh, regarding that, but I, I want to spend some time, Mike, uh, talking about some of the current events that are going on out there. You know, the one that just infuriates me more than anything I've heard in a long time is this whole Brock Turner case where, you know, this kid was caught sexually assaulting another human being. And I, I, what was his penalty? Like, Three months in jail or six months in six jail? Six months, and he was out after three. Yeah. Oh, I mean, number one, that judge needs to go away. But and obviously, we need to educate the judicial system better. But it, I was appalled when I heard that only six months uh, of of jail time, especially with how he was talking about all this uh, during the court case. I mean, what's your take on this? Well, what I like to do on this case is I like to look at the the few people that are shining stars in it, uh, and because there's nothing good in looking at what the judge decided, and there's right. nothing good at looking at the father's letter. And I know people listening will go, well, father's going to say things to defend their son. Yes, you can say things to defend your son, but not so callously as 
plays right. is like 20 minutes of action. Um, and that, so what I like to do is I like to look at who did do some amazing things in this, in this case. And the, okay. two peop, the two upstanders, the two people riding by on a bike who saw somebody on top oh. of a lifeless body who said something is wrong, that's not right, and mm-hmm. ran up and said, what are you doing? And Brock Turner ran away, and one went after him and tackled while the other stayed and protected the survivor and, and, and cried because of, of the pain they were seeing, what was done to the survivor. That, mm. That's heroic, heroic behavior that we need more of in our culture. That should be Absolutely. the normal reaction to those kind of scenes. And, with, and instead of us going, look at this one case, that should be the norm. Everybody should go, well, of course that's what we do. We intervene. Mm-hmm. The sad part is, where were all the people who could intervene during the party? See, before right. they came outside that house, how many people could have stepped in? How many mm-hmm. people could have intervened that didn't? The other hero in this story is the survivor. The yep. letter that she wrote to the court is a letter that people will be reading for the next decade. Because mm-hmm. of how incredibly powerful it is, and how much it lets you inside the mind of the strength and courage of a survivor. And so, I, mm-hmm. I ask anyone listening, if you have not read it, look up the Brock Turner or Stanford rape case victims' letter, and it is amazing to read. Yeah, yeah, and, and she let, let she is a true hero listening. too. And hopefully, yes. you know, again, out of this tragedy, hopefully more people will come forward and be more and and find their voice in this. We, that's what we want, and that's what makes this case tough. See, when judges do this, they actually mm-hmm. reduce the odds of survivors coming forward. Right. Because sadly, survivors will watch this case and go, "Why would I go through all that for somebody mm-hmm. to only get three months?" And exactly. so this becomes very difficult for survivors. Now, on the flip side, people who work with survivors will tell you, well, he, here's why we still want survivors to come forward, because survivors deserve closure. So even if a survivor doesn't get the justice we hope, we do want to help get survivors closure. We want to help them get the support mm-hmm. they deserve if they want Good counseling point. and want to get the counseling. And so all of that is still available when you come forward. Whether a court system is fair or not, those resources are available. And so that becomes very important. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and it's more for the victim to be able to stand up and say, hey, this happened to me, and I'm not going to just continue to be a victim with this. That's right, and that's why we use the word survivor, because oh, okay. after the, after the crime right. has happened, they've survived, and so we want to use that place of strength. That's a really good point, and yeah, yeah I, I, I like that term much, much better. You are correct. You know, I, a few weeks ago, we had um, Katie Costner on the show. And I, I think about, you know, back in the 80s, she came forward and she was like, she was one of the first ones to come forward and say, hey, this happened to me. And to listen to her power and her strength now, it, it's just awesome. And I'm hoping that other survivors out there are going to find their voice and be able to come forward too and not keep this locked up inside. That's exactly correct. And, and Katie was one of the first, and particularly relating to campus sexual assault, was one of the first survivors on a national level that was speaking out. And, and in many ways, people turned to her as the example of strength and courage in survivors dealing with campus sexual assault. Yeah. 
Yeah, which is which is great. Hey, let me. Here's another clarification because you you just kind of pointed out to me, and I want to switch the way that I'm I'm framing this in terms of victim versus survivor. But one of the things that I keep going over in my head is, you know, I definitely want these men and women who are survivors to be survivors. But if they keep it inside and they're not dealing with it, then don't they continue to be victims and we want them to go from victim to survivor? So it's not my place to call that. That's a survivor's choice to decide how they, what phrase, what wording they want to be affiliated with for themselves. And some may say, I don't want any. Others Mm -hmm. will say, um, I'm a thriver. So with thriver, Mm -hmm. survivor, we'll hear all different language. It's not my Mm -hmm. place. Each of us has to make our choice in how we use that language. I choose to use survivor because even when somebody has not come forward and they're struggling with it inside, it doesn't mean they're living their life in victimhood. They, They could be doing their best and moving forward. And so, therefore, they're not living like a victim. Uh, they just have not found the right time or the right support system to come forward. You know what? That's a really good way to put it. And I guess my perspective comes from, you know, being in the addiction field where a lot of the women who are in recovery had some type of a sexual trauma at some point in their lives. And what I hear them say is, I just keep playing it over and over and over in my mind. And the only way I can turn that voice off is when I get high. So that's kind of the perspective that I've heard up until now. So what, how I've equated that is that they just keep being the victim, and the only way they can handle it is to numb it out. But I try to get them to see that, no, there are other ways that you can do this now to get to that point where they're in survivorhood. But that's yes, kind of and, my perspective. And that's but, right. And yeah. sure. And so that's, that's why the use of language is different for everybody, for those mm-hmm. very kinds of reasons. Uh, and so I, early on, I would say all survivors all use this language all the time. Now I'm more like, you know, that's to, to the person. But here's why I use the language I do. And that's why I present it in, in that fashion. Hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I, I like that a lot. And thank you for that. And, and hopefully that, was, that clarified it for other people, too, because that was a really good distinction. Awesome. So did have you heard this? Someone did a Facebook post, and I heard that Brock Turner now wants to go and be a speaker on college campuses yeah, that, on that's alcohol a, and that's promiscuity. That's case. No, so that's actually a false case. That, that's, oh, good. Yeah. Huh. Uh, yeah, that, that was, it's been, at least from what I've seen, it's been proven false. Um, there may be community service that is, and I don't know the details of okay. what he has to do upon now that he's out uh, as far as that goes. But uh, definitely the idea that he's on a tour, speaking tour, as of now, I'm not saying that that's impossible, that couldn't happen, by the way, uh, but as mm. of now, from what we understand, that's false. But you're, you're referring okay, to good. people saying that he was going to go on a college speaking tour? Yeah. Right, that, I, right I, I, exactly. I, yeah, but I could just, I mean, the number of protesters would be so overwhelming that I don't think he could get one word out of his mouth. But I'm, I'm glad that that's not really happening. So yeah, thank least, you for clarifying at least not that one as too. Of now, let me stress those words. Uh, as of now, so yeah, I could, yeah yeah I can't see it happening, but I yeah. So what can people do? We have a few minutes left here, and and what do you suggest? Because you know this isn't only a women's issue; this is a men's issue too. And I think men need to be you know like those the two heroes that you were talking about at Stanford that saw something happening and acted on it. You know, I think 
this is not just something we can put off to other people. You never know when you could be called to duty to to do something and stand up. So what's your advice to the people listening on what they can do, uh, men and women, in all situations when, when something's coming up, going on? Well, it's an important clarification, and that is that all genders should be involved in this discussion. All sexual orientations, all identities, all genders should be engaged in this conversation and taking action. And one of the things mm-hmm. that we do in our work is that when we're on stage and we role play or we use scenarios or scenes, all scenes are gender neutral. All names nice. are gender neutral so that Everybody understands this can happen to anybody. This can be perpetrated by anybody. So we understand mm-hmm. how important this is to involve everybody in the conversation. What can everybody do? Everybody can look in the mirror and go, am I asking? You know, parents mm-hmm. listening right now who say, yeah, you ask any parent, do you want your child to have a choice before somebody does something sexual with your child's body when they're at the age that's appropriate to engage in that behavior? Every parent says, of course I want my child to have a choice. Of course. Mm-hmm. Okay, what have you taught them about having a choice? How have you taught them how to ask? How have you taught them to talk about their sexual wants, likes, and dislikes with their partner? And parents will look at you like, Mm. what? (laughs) How do you talk about that? I'm like, well, how do you expect them to engage in a conversation nobody's ever taught them to engage in? Mm -hmm. The problem in the past was we taught children do the right thing and then never gave them the skill set to do it. And, and You're absolutely teenagers right. will tell you that drives them nuts. And when you talk to teenagers in schools and say, does it drive you nuts when somebody says, do the right thing, and then doesn't give you instructions? They're like, yes, because I want to do the mm-hmm. right thing, but I don't actually know exactly what you mean and how to do it. Like, I mm-hmm. might know logically that, that this one thing's the right thing to do, but I don't know how to do that without putting myself in danger or at risk or at harm. How do I overcome that thought process of fear? How do, how do I do this? Uh, and so we must give how-to skill sets. So no matter what your Absolutely. age is, look in the mirror and go, hmm, do I ask my partner what they like, what they're comfortable with, what they want right now? If they say something that I don't want to do, am I comfortable saying, oh, I'm not comfortable with that. What else would you love? Or Mm -hmm. if they say no when I ask, am I going to be, oh, well, you know what? I'm glad I asked. Last thing I want to do is make you uncomfortable. Or am Mm -hmm. I going to try to change their mind? And that's what people did for thousands of years. Uh, May I kiss you? No. Well, why not? Why don't you want to kiss me? I thought we had a connection. Whoa. I thought you were asking to give me a choice, not to get what you wanted. Mm -hmm. So huge, huge difference in those theories. So applying that in your home, applying that in your own relationship, whether you're 65 or you're 15, those should apply. And so Mm -hmm. how to do that in your own life. When you're at a party, do you see somebody giving someone a bunch of alcohol to try to get that person alone that night? Do you step in? Do you check in on the person who's vulnerable, who that other person's trying to use vulnerability against? Because we're not blaming on that person for drinking. You have the right to do that. Are you watching Mm -hmm. for the predator who's trying to do the harm to that person? Mm-hmm. Are you stepping in on those things? Those are all things we can do. And the other thing everybody can do is go back to their loved ones today and let them know if anybody ever sexually touches them against their will, without their consent, you're here for them. First yes. and foremost, you are here for them. In the past, parents would make the awful statement, if anyone ever touches you, I'll kill them. And mm-hmm. what that does is it stops people from coming forward. That's what that does. It, it makes it even scarier. Instead, say, I'm going to be here for you. I'm going to always love mm-hmm. you and be here for you. Focus on your loved one. 
That's a really good point to make. And and you've helped me to realize also, I mean, my daughter's 11 years old, but any boy in the future that wants to date her needs to read your book first before I'm going to allow him to <laughs> date my daughter. <laughs> and for her, right? Because you want her. I mean, here's the thing parents often forget, and I know you're not, but other parents forget. Is they'll, they'll, for instance, in a heterosexual couple like you're describing, they'll say, my mm-hmm. daughter and the boy that he, she's going to date. Uh, and mm-hmm. we'll go, okay, well, what if she's the aggressor? Uh-huh. So now what will happen is people go, oh, I made, I made sure to that boyfriend that they better ask for they were doing anything with my daughter. And they get out on a date, and it's the daughter who's the sexually assertive one. Now talk about huh. confusing for the boy. Yeah. So this, this is one of the reasons we tell parents, if you're having these conversations, gender should not be the deciding factor on what you're saying or how you're saying it. All genders should be taught respect. All genders should be taught to ask and honor boundaries. All of that becomes mm-hmm. important for everybody. You know what? And that's such a good point because the the stigma that's put on guys. I mean, I remember being in college and there were girls, there was this one girl in particular who would come on to me and I wasn't attracted to her. I didn't really like her, but she was like, come on, come on, come on. And I almost felt obligated. And it was like, what are my friends going to think if I say no? Of course I have to say yes. And I would feel so dirty afterwards. But yeah, I, I, that needs to happen for all genders, all sexual orientations. I mean, it's it's non-discriminatory. That's exactly correct. And those kind of pressures apply for all genders, sexual orientations, and identities at different ways, in different models. But they apply. That idea of I can't say no. Uh, it can. It just depends on the role that somebody feels they're in at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Mike, this has been. Phenomenal, and I, I could talk to you for another three hours. I'm definitely going to. We're going to have to talk at another show. Um, I would love to bring you back uh, and and talk about this some more. And again, if if people want more information on on Mike and the work that he's doing, it's datesafeproject.org. Is that correct? That's correct. And we've got the book. Okay. Can I kiss you? Brand new went number one. Uh, in August nice. on Amazon for teen young adult dating, number one campus and uh, college university life. So we're very excited about it. Yeah, that's great. And I wish you continued success and we got to get this message out there. So thank you for tuning in this week to Rise Radio and we will see you or hear you next week with another guest on Rise Radio. Have a good week, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to Rise Radio. Please join your host, Randy Havison, again next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until our next show, have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.